We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have like a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey guys, quick programming note. This is part two of the podcast edition of our Saturday morning locker room live stream. If you missed part one, just refresh your podcast feed. It should be available. And if you want to listen to them in order, go back and listen to part one before you listen to this episode. We had so many people wanting to come up on stage and give their takes about the Knicks Hawks series, specifically how they can rebound from a pretty brutal loss in game three uh, that we decided to continue until past our normal hour cutoff and went as long as we could and split the pot into two parts. Thank you to everybody that joined us on Locker Room on Saturday. If you would like to join us next Saturday, tune in to the Knicks Film School's Twitter account. We usually send out a tweet every Friday letting you know what time we will go live on Saturday. Without further ado, this is part two of our Saturday morning Locker Room live stream. All righty, next up, welcome to the stage, Mr. Brent. Brent, how you doing, buddy? Hey, guys. What's going on, Brent? How you doing? Uh, could be better. But, <laughs> I hear but yeah, Brian uh, kind of brought up some of the points I want to bring up in terms of, again, like, I'm not... I think we still have a chance in the series and stuff like that, but it comes to the starters. I've kind of lost, not lost hope, but it's like, I feel like it just is what it is. But I feel like what will really make the difference is just, and what's made the difference so far is just the bench play. And and so far, and I feel like they're not using him enough in terms of, we always talk about match up hunting. I feel like the game between him and Gallo, that is really important in the series because the first two games, I feel like he's been playing Gallo pretty much off the. He's been Gallo's been missing a lot of shots, but I feel like always oh, just his speed has been underutilized in terms of just beating him off the dribble. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree that Obi against Gallo on on paper and just you know by the eye test is like is a is a advantage Knicks in terms of what he's going to be able to do on offense. At the same time, like. Gallo is kind of crafty. Um, I mean, he's certainly doing a good job against Randall. It feels like whenever he's matched up on him. And I also just don't know how much is reasonable to expect Obi to to do, uh, you know, I mean, it, it's trite to say, but as a rookie. Um, I, I, I think Tibbs has given him a good amount of run. I mean, it seemed like he left him out there for a while in the second half last night. Um, I'm trying to – I'll look it up right now when Randall finally replaced him in the game in the fourth quarter. But it felt like Obi got a, a much lo- like considering the game and situation and everything that they were in, it feels like Obi got a pretty nice run in the second half there. And it's like he's there's just times where, and that's the other that's the only thing I'll add is like for Tibbs, I think the way he coaches, it's it's kind of he's going to leave it up to the players to be to assert themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like, it's not, I, I, I don't think it's in Tibbs' nature. And quite frankly, I'm not sure how, how many coaches it's in their nature 
to be like, we got to get this guy going. Um, but I love when ESPN does this. Um, I'm just actually looking up when he when he came in. Um, but yeah, I it's yeah, it's not a bad thought. That's for sure. Um, I, I would like to see more of it. Yeah, he was he was in the game until the four minute mark of the fourth quarter. Topping, so he played the first eight minutes of the fourth. That's pretty, you know, that's pretty good. He had one alley oop and another dunk, and then he missed the three. That's what he did in eight minutes. So, yeah, yeah like, yeah, like I just feel, especially, it's and it's the good and the bad with Tibbs and just this season because again, I feel like we're all the expectations are so high and we. It's we're hard for us to realize that it's just been one season, because I said in the chat pretty much the issue I had with Tibbs is just his lack of rotational experimentation. Like during the regular season, like we've never really seen Obi Toppin at the five, Julius at the four, or vice versa. We haven't really seen as much RJ with the bench units, and it's like that stuff annoys me because I feel like we could have tried this out during the regular season and experimented more. But at the other hand, us doing the standard got us to this 41 wins in the first place and the four seed. So it's always a balancing act. And it, he plays every game to win it. I mean, that's what it comes down to. It's like you take the go with the bad. You got your 41 wins and your four seed, but they're, in terms of experimentation and trying stuff out, you know, not so much. Yeah. Um, all right, good stuff. Thanks for, thanks for the stuff uh, on your mind, uh, Brian. Jeremy, anything to add before we move on? I was just going to say with Gallo, a lot of it seemed to be the law of averages. You know, like I mean, he was he just couldn't hit anything the first two games and playoff game Gallo. Three, certainly things. Yeah, exactly. So Tobin did his best, but I think it's just a matter of Gallo being back to kind of who he was in a lot of ways. Yeah. All right. Yeah, thanks, for Brent, thanks for coming on, man. No Absolutely, problem. Brent. Thank you. Alrighty, next up, Zeke. Welcome to the stage, sir. Can you guys hear me? How's it going? Yeah, what's, what's going on, Zeke? How you doing? Uh, pretty good. First time, long time. <laughs> good stuff, man. You know, I wanted to start off positive as, like, this Nick diehard since the 90s, of course. We've done a lot of good things like neutralizing Capella and Collins. They haven't had a really dramatic impact on offense. I mean, Collins went scoreless a game, too, which is amazing. Our bench has been outperforming them. We out-rebound them. And the biggest thing I was scared of, which I agree with, with Jeremy from the podcast, I was really scared of Bogey. And he hasn't really, quote-unquote, gone off yet. Yeah. So I think it's really been a positive thing. And also, we've been limiting their, their free throws. So I think the game plan Tibbs has drawn up has been really good. My, my real question for you guys is, the only good offensive half Randall has had has been second half of game two, where he was like facilitating, driving to the basket, quick decisions, dumping off in the paint, and kicking out to the three. Have you guys seen anything that could really generate more offense for that, where he can just really be more facilitator instead of a, of a jump shooter? I I mean I think hitting that first three helped a lot out of the gate in the second in the second game after the in the second half. Um, I think that it got him feeling pretty confident. Um, I mean he took ten shots in that second half. So like just to so he took just as a comparison. He took 10 shots in the second half of game two. He took four shots in the second half um, yesterday. Um, and three of them were, were threes. Um, he made, I think he made one. Uh, or maybe he took five and he made one, of, and four of them were threes and he made one, whatever it was. But, like, he was shooting a lot more in the second half of game two. And I think it's like his shooting props up his um, – or his scoring, rather – props up his playmaking and vice versa it's like you need to get into the cycle but that's why i keep going back to the same idea of like making like at some point making some shots is gonna i think free up everything else because it it's also like a feel thing i think once he sees the ball go in the hoop he just plays with a lot like a a, a different verb um that would be my initial response jeremy what what do you think well the funny thing about game two is that yeah he sank that first shot as the half started but then he kind of went cold um like he was struggling a bit it seemed after but at least the aggression was back um and i think that you know it's it's tough because if the hawks are if capella is indeed um staying back and they're kind of loading up on the paint and maybe taking that ability out of randall's hands and then he's maybe more into a double and looking for a player like there was one shot last night i think it was in the earlier part of the game 
where it might have been later though um where, where randall basically tried to drive and then was caught in a double and, and couldn't really do much and so he just shot it and he was off balance so yeah. the ability for him to not force it or if he's going to force it to do it the way that he's accustomed to i feel like is the wiser way um but again a lot of it also doesn't help when he's so good at finding guys in the corners and the hawks had been kind of letting him do that but if the players that he's hitting aren't hitting their shots then like his best ability is going downhill and being able to find players that are open and they're not converting they're kind of, they kind of go out the window yeah, it, it's a guy's got to hit shots. <laughs> you know, uh, RJ missed a bunch of open ones last night. Reggie, I feel like, hasn't had as many open ones because they're smart about they're not helping off of Reggie as much. Um, I, I also, I mean, I just looked it up. The Knicks have played um, so far in the post. And look, they take take this with a grain of salt because this is small sample size theater. But um, the Knicks have played. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven two man combinations um have seen more than fifty minutes in this series. Um the best one, unsurprisingly, is Rose and Gibson. They're outscoring the Hawks by nearly nine points per hundred possessions during those seventy nine minutes. Uh the worst one by a comfortable margin is Reggie Bullock and RJ Barrett, who are minus thirteen point two per hundred possessions in sixty five minutes. And then the one right above that is Randall and Barrett, uh, minus eight per per uh, hundred possessions in eighty seven minutes. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> guys got hit shots. Um, yeah, there's more. Tibbs could do more. Randall could be a little bit better. This and the other thing, but like, you got to hit shots. No, definitely the aggression's got to be there to hit shots because. I have a lot of buddies in Atlanta. The series is super close. Like, they're not even overly confident that they're going to win, like, six or seven because they know it's still close. And even yesterday, felt like fools go for Hawks fans because even when they shot out, they shot lights out, they only score 105. So it's a very close series. I'm still optimistic. I'm still banging the drum that Tibbs did really good adjustments and his game plan going in has been very successful. Just Randall and everyone else got to hit shots in the starting lineup. Mm-hmm. But definitely. And then also I was looking at other things, too, like other people talked about. was really with Gallo, the open threes. Like, I saw a lot, a lot of change in the defense in game three of the Knicks with the 1-4 pick and roll where they really were targeting Randall, and they swung the ball around to the corners a lot, and they had a lot of open threes. Have you, what do you guys think about that as far as maybe changes the coverage or having Randall not drop so far back where he can't recover because he doesn't have really long arms for it to be content at the paint? I, I mean, I don't. I, I think they came into the series with a very defined plan on offense, and they were going to be like, "Look, we're going to fly like hell when we can to contest these threes, um, and if they hit them, they hit them." And I, ju- I, like, I don't. I just, I don't know how you could fault the the defensive game plan with. Uh, I'll reference the two numbers again. It's a hundred and five points, and they shot sixty percent from three. So I, I, that's that to me is where, as much as I would like to see some adjustments on offense, um, I'm I'm more far more comfortable with them sticking to what they're doing on defense because I don't feel like the Hawks have necessarily, like I don't feel like the Hawks can blow the game open when they're on offense. So then it's just a matter of like, okay, then we just got to figure out our offense. Which I, I'm, you know, maybe naively so, but uh, I, I still think there's a chance that they do. We'll see. <laughs> and that's no, a good, good question too. I mean, the, the defense in terms of the three point defending. So as you're saying, John, if that's like even if they're letting up that way, but they're still holding them to 105 points, you have to live with it. It's then the offense's responsibility to to come through, and it hasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well put. Uh, but thanks for uh, the questions and uh, and the thoughts, Zeke. I appreciate it. Oh, definitely. Thank you, guys. Next up, Charlie. I think this is a first first time caller. Charlie, welcome to. What's, uh, going what's, what's going on, guys? Uh, Jeremy, John, uh, Andrew. Thank you for having me, uh, John. I know I've uh, I've uh, tweeted with you before, uh, whether it was just for reassurance purposes or whatnot. <laughs> So first things first, I just want to address something that nobody has really said. 
And that is what John Collins said last night in the post game, and how he thinks Julius Randle, or he hopes Julius Randle is frustrated, and that their secret plan, uh, you know, to stop him or whatever it is. I just find that you know this isn't really this is just kind of like a comment. I find it amusing that John Collins, uh, you know, his his version of a, a defensive plan is to pick up two fouls and then have DeAndre Hunter switch onto Julius Randle. That's just you know that's. <laughs> It, that's that's well. I yeah. I don't I don't care what John Collins says. Yeah, I don't uh, think he's. I, I don't think he's. Yeah, I said it before. He's one of those players that just you know he, 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 his his talk doesn't back up his game doesn't back up his talk. Anyway, um, yeah. So, what would you guys? So obviously, you know, we've wanted Elf out of the lineup for you know quite some time, and and last night we, we definitely got you know signs that. Maybe maybe Tibbs is actually, you know, starting to realize that Rose is the best option we could get. But what if we started Frank and had Rose and Gibson come off the bench? Because last night, the bench, which usually is our, our Achilles heel, we, we had the bench. The bench just sucked last night. It was not that good. And um, I was just, you know, I just, I, I, it's like games like that where I wonder, what if we kept Rose and Gibson on the bench? Because, you know, clearly they're... They're, you know, they're upstanding factors in the in the bench's, you know, obvious recent success and For started sure. Frank because I feel like Frank, obviously, you know, he's a great defender. But if you give him a chance, he can do offensive. He can play offensively. Is he going to drop 30 points per game? No, but he can give you that one or two occasional threes, you know. So I'm just curious what you guys think about that. So if you have Frank in there, just Going by what we've seen this year, because um, I, I mean, we look, we've seen him put the ball on the floor a little bit in the past. I, I don't think that's something that's reasonable to expect in a playoff game. Uh, I think he's in there as a spot-up guy. So then you're like, okay, well, who's he in there with? So if he's in there with Reggie, Reggie's another spot-up guy. And if he's in there with RJ, as we discussed before, um, RJ's kind of basically been a spot-up guy now in this starting lineup. So then who's left? You got the center and you got Julius Randle. So you have Randle, you know, with, uh, like, it, what? what is that? I don't know what that offense looks like um, other than just Randle essentially trying to draw doubles um, and and kick out, like, have an additional guy to kick out to as opposed well but but he could already kick out the rose i just i just i guess what i'm saying is i think it makes it it makes your offense unnecessarily um more one-dimensional than it already is and it's already kind of one not one-dimensional but it's already limited um and if the like the reason you're putting frank in there ostensibly is for defense like i he if he if he was like this tray stopper and we knew that that's one thing, but I don't see that on the, the, the tape of what we've watched him guard Trey in the past, um, which is why, I, I, I again, I've said it for a while now, I'm cool with giving Frank five to ten minutes in a game. I just, I'm not, I prefer a Burks or a Rose or even a Quickly in the starting five because um, I just think you need that offensive diversification. That would be my, my thought there. I get yeah. you know I I get that a hundred percent I you know the, the more you think about it yeah Frank is more of a spot up player so then so like it's just it's just a difficult it's a difficult situation because yeah. we have so many, we have so many guards on this team too and 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 you even said it like even putting Burks in the starting lineup like Burks at a starting point guard I think could work out well but then again that puts you right into the spot up position so I understand it's just. I don't know. I just I feel like it's such a difficult situation because I feel like obviously with Randall, whenever Randall plays bad, then that if obviously that affects uh, RJ's game and that, that that affects Bullock's game. And and you said it, or one one of you guys said it earlier. Bullock played twenty straight, something like that last night. And I just I don't understand why he was last night was definitely not one of his best games. He was off last night. Um, you know he wasn't his best, and he hasn't been his best. So. It's just it's just weird with the whole rotation making how, you know, I, I, I don't know. I just feel like there are so many adaptations we can make. Like there was one play last night where, I you know, I, that stuck with me. And that was uh, Bogey. He drove to the hoop. And instead of helping, uh, 
Bullock uh, decided to fade to the corner because that's where uh, Horder was. Yeah. So he faded to the corner, and and that just obviously that gives Bogey the wide open layup. So I just I just feel like the the whole rotational aspect of it, you know, it's it's just such a tricky situation. It's tricky just, because they they have limited offensive talent on the team, and this is exactly why, yeah. You know, I I I think I wrote before the season. I'm like, if they could have a top twenty offense, they should give Tibbs a coach of the year award. And uh, you know, and and they ended up having number one offense in the league for a stretch of a month, which is I still don't know how they did that. But um, and Jeremy, any 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 thoughts from you on this? Well, I mean, just in terms of Frank and starting. Um, for context, I mean, when you get Elf with that starting four, uh, according to Cleaning the Glass, it's points per possession, 109.7. Uh, when you get Rose, it's 121.9. Quickly, 120.6. Burks, 113.3. And Frank, 88.2. Um, obviously, Frank has a much lower sample size, but there's also a reason why. It's because he is the emergency starter. And, you know, I, the reason he's the emergency starter isn't because everyone's playing poorly. It's because so many of the guys were out, and that San Antonio game was just crap. Um, you know, I mean, the the big thing, and I, I don't say this even as slander towards Elf. It's just the truth. It's in the sense that the Knicks just need a player better than him. They need someone who can drive, who can finish at the rim, who can pass out of a drive, who can attack, uh, who can be a good point of attack defender. All these things. I, I know I'm not saying anything new, obviously, but it just – it goes to the point where, yes, as you guys are saying, rotationally, personnel-wise, the reason we're trying to find and mitigate all of these issues is because the, there's just a lack of talent. And that, that's it's unfortunate that we have to be in this position, of course, but I just – I don't – I wish Frank could be the answer, but his role seems pretty clear, as you're saying, John, in terms of a, a spot-up a wing, if you will. Um, but, yeah, I, th- I do think he needs more minutes, for sure. It's just it, – it shouldn't necessarily be – like, like he and Peyton, it, it shouldn't be a, a one versus the other. It, and I know Peyton's kind of out of the equation to begin with anyway, although who knows. Um, it's more just – I would maybe like to see Burke solidify it, but really it's just that second – it's still that second quarter, that, that one run that really kind of put that nail in the coffin and couldn't look back. And I don't think it's necessarily because of starting one player or over another in terms of Rosen Burks. It just – it just crumbled, um, and having another body would have helped, but it just didn't. It wasn't there. One, uh, oh, sorry. One last thing. Uh, I just want to, you know, this isn't really. I just want to shout out how well our, our rookies have been playing, it. In, in particular, Obi Topping, because you know, game two. I don't think we win that game without Obi. I don't. I, I think no. Obi. Mm-mm. Obi has yeah. completely broken out and. I, I he's only getting better. So I just wanted to give that a quick shout out. Um and uh yeah, that's pretty much all I had. Uh thank well, you guys for having me. Yeah, no, thank you, Charlie. And the only thing I'll say again, we're we're focused on the here and now and the here and now is important and I'm all for that. But like you got a kid in quickly who's gonna get better. You got a kid in Obi who clearly is going to get better. RJ is go- I think RJ will become the type of off-the-dribble perimeter threat, creation threat, whatever you want to say, that we're all talking about, like, we, this team needs. So that's three guys right there to say nothing of who they might add to this team that's not currently on it. So, like, I, I, again, not, not as, Jer- as you just said, Jeremy, I'm not, not reinventing the wheel by saying what I'm saying here, but, like, um, it's this is kind of gravy, and, there, you know, it, there's good things on the way, you know, one way or the other. Next up, Miller. Welcome to the stage, sir. How's it going, you guys? Can you guys hear me? Yeah, hear you great, Miller. What's up? Doing good. Doing good. I just want to say huge fans, first and foremost, Andrew, Jeremy, John. We all appreciate you. I think there was like 55 people in here before, all commiserating. That's pretty special. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you and um, just kind of on a, uh, on a more positive note, what do you most want to see out of the gate in Game 4, barring Julius Randle dropping 50 points in the first half. <laughs> uh, Jeremy, you got an answer handy? I got to think about this one for a second. Oh, man. That's tough, too. <laughs> I most want to see. Um, I want. I, I can answer it real quick. I, I just want to see them as what we've all been talking about the whole time. I want to see them have a plan for how to use Julius in a, in a, in a way that gets him going. Um, and I, and I, when I say get him going – I mean, get him going as not only a scorer, 
but a, but a playmaker. That's yes. what I want to see. I'll say, since you're taking the offensive side, I'll say more defensive side. I mean, I thought, I thought Trey didn't have his best game of the three last night. Um, I mean, he was more of a wizard with his passing, but I, I just think figuring out a way to, to neutralize him more and get other guys to create an addition, especially going downhill. But, you know, it, it's kind of the same, the same thing that we're, we're discussing earlier. So I, I think, again, like the, the Hawks have enough guys who can create and succeed, but forcing the, like, Doing a better job of blitzing Trey would, or at least with his reads, would, would go a long way in terms of how the Knicks are able to respond or react. If you get those players to shoot, then that's fine. I, I don't think the Hawks are going to shoot 59% from three again. So, you know, if you can try to force them to take those shots, then that's that's better to me than trying to blitz Trey. Yeah. Um, that's uh, One other thing on the blitzing concept, like – you know, Rose kind of alluded to it yesterday when he when he mentioned after the game getting out more in transition, which they uh, he attempted to do a few times, but at the same time he, it was a kind of a funny moment. I don't know if anybody else caught this after the game where he asked <laughs> he asked the reporters on the Zoom how many fast break points the Knicks had, and the Knicks PR I think it was it was uh, the Knicks PR guy was like zero, and Rose just was like yeah. Zero, um, and he was like, "Yeah, that's that's not okay." Um, like blitzing would help them. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Get some easy buckets, and I wonder, is that part of the answer? But again, like you're saying, Jeremy, how do you balance that with making sure you're you're committed to your defensive principles, um, you know, and it's, it's like, you know, they're going to beat you by three, they'll beat you by the three, but I think that's an interesting balancing act. But um, yeah, I'm curious to see that too. If only these uh, road games were in Dallas, right? All of our uh, <laughs> problems would be answered. Very, very well said. Very well said. But uh, thanks, thanks, for the, thanks for the question, Miller. Appreciate it. No worries. Appreciate you guys. Sorry, interacting with the chat. There's some very uh, intriguing Luca Vildoza convos going on in the chat. <laughs> Maybe that's the answer to all all the Knicks problems in this series. Anyway. Doza, yes. Starkville Doza. That's there it. you go. Drew, <laughs> welcome to the stage, sir. What's going on, Drew? Oh, did I not give him a heads up? Oh, I don't know. Uh, well, he's here. Uh, if he's... Well, Drew, if you can, can hear us, welcome to the stage. stage. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Yeah. My bad, man. man. Oh, yeah, I did say you're on deck. Yeah, Drew, you're, on, you're, up, you're up. Welcome to the stage. Nice, today. nice. Thank you, thank you. I always tune in on Spotify, and I love hearing Macri's analysis, especially being in Chicago, so <laughs> I don't get to hear all the popular outlets, and it gives me a good insight since I can't watch every game, so thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And then um, my thing is, because being in Chicago, I watched Thibodeau at his peak with Rose, come in as a rookie, do his thing, struggle with Butler, and eventually leave. And the main thing that I see, which I'm still seeing, is he just doesn't adjust well. Like, he has almost, like, these hockey lineups that he doesn't want to be amenable to, where it was, like, first game we were getting handled, young guys came in, did their thing. But then, of course, as we progress, then it was an up and down. Young guys come in, we get up, we get close. He goes back to 
our starting lineup, we start to lose it. I feel like they need to mix it up some. I mean, Norville Pell get in there because there's a lot of times where we're losing rebounds because of athleticism or just the measurables. Or you have Capella or Collins that can get that little extra reach on Taj. Taj is great because I love the energy and the heart, but I feel like that as well as start Burke instead of Bullock, so that way there's more pressure on Trey. Because right well, now Trey is not doing anything on on defense. And yeah. a guy that that I mean he's 150 pounds. Like I don't <laughs> uh, I mean I'm used to the 90s where you know do like what they did to Jordan, do like what we did to Curry. Beat the crap out of them, and if we win by, if we win or we lose, at least the guy's worn out. Like stretch out his field goal percentage. Don't let him have those swing passes, lobs, trash talking. <laughs> yeah, I, I think make, making Trey's life uncomfortable is um, something they need to do a better job of. I'm not sure if Pell's the answer, um, but. Because just I, I think Taj has been really good, and I think I, I think Noel has been fine. Um, and it, but the Burks for Bullock thing is interesting. I don't think that they would do it only because their offense is at its best when Reggie is firing away, and I think they still have faith in him. Because I mean, I feel like he should still get his minutes, and at least just to get more of like, you know, cut out the second chance points and a little bit of the, some of the rim running, rim, run, rim running that's able to happen when you have Taj in there, like especially late in the game too. Where we had a couple of little ones where, I mean, bless his heart, he's trying, but I mean, he's at the end of the road. So he couldn't really complete it. But I do feel like Frank not getting that one random um, possession, but actually getting some minutes off the bench behind Rose could help with a little bit of that difficulty. And and Bullock, too, like, I mean, he can still get the minutes, but it's just – it's the playoffs. It's kind of not like the season where you can start behind and just come back like we've done. So you got to get that spark plug and then play maintenance a little bit more. And I feel like if we were starting Burke to get a little bit more wear on Trey and then come off the bench where – You've got a situation where Frank doesn't necessarily look to score. He's more of a defer. And then you've got quickly. It can maybe spur something interesting and maybe even adjust how you're utilizing in terms of minutes with Randall because he's great. But he is a bit rattled. It's not 100% rattled, but it is the Knicks. It is the Mecca. And it's the biggest stage we've had in years. And I feel like when your shot is, it's not like he's airballing as much as much as it's just falling at the front of the rim. And that's a psychological thing when that starts happening. Yeah. No, for for sure. I um, and thank you, Drew, for for the the comments and the questions. Jeremy, you have anything you want to add? Yeah, it does seem like for Randall, a lot of his shots are just falling short. Um, I, don't, I mean, for, for me, I would trust Taj if he were forty five. <laughs> like, I, I, I so think the I. one thing, the one thing with Hell is that, and as John knows, I'm. Uh, I'm a fervent hater of, like, 15th men, unless they're named Theo Pinson. Uh, I just, like, <laughs> in general, I don't usually trust them. or It's kind of nice when they surprise us, but usually it's just not the case. I, the playoffs are just a different animal, and I, I trust Taj's experience to the point where – I know you're not saying don't play Taj. You're saying get, kind of get Pell in there working more. But I, I don't think that – I don't think what he would give you in a few games is really – pivotal because we've mostly only seen him in garbage time anyway and I, I think the not just the the narrative but just the idea of Tibbs kind of shying away from the guys he's relied on to then start a player or not start but but give minutes to a player who has really what I mean mostly only had garbage time towards the end of the season when a lot of other teams might be trying to wind down towards the tank standings I just I would feel uncomfortable having him in that spot yeah, and thanks. Uh, there was a little bit of an echo, Drew, so we moved you off. But thanks for for the comments. The only other thing I want to say in regards to Tibbs is so he's had um, six playoffs in his career as a head coach, um, and I think th- so. Three, one of the the, the one in uh, Minnesota, he lost to a much better Houston team. Um, three times in Chicago, he lost to LeBron James, whichever LeBron James, uh, whichever team LeBron James was on. 
another time in Chicago was the Rose ACL series in which they were utterly uh, devastated after that, and they lost to the Sixers. And then the only series that you could point to where you could say, like, maybe they should have won and they didn't is when they were the four seed and they lost to the five-seeded Wizards in five games. Um, but, like, I don't know. I don't know that I could – That I, I mean, I get what you're saying about Tibbs, but I don't know that I could look at his um, resume – and be like he's like he's kind of done as well as he was supposed to do and he's definitely won a few playoff series that he was not probably supposed to win um notably uh, against the nets i think there towards the end and you could even maybe say that buck series um when he out when he pantsed jason kidd in in uh, terms of coaching um but i think it's fair he could also adjust more as as i think most coaches could anyway Next up, a friend of the pod, former KFS pod guest, and uh, Jeremy's colleague over at the Strickland, uh, Mr. Colin. Welcome to the stage, sir. Testing, testing. Is this thing on? Yes. What's up? I'm great. Claudio, long time no talk. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> uh, my question's actually for Jeremy. Yes, Colin. Um, who is the most handsome contributor at the Strickland? <laughs> wow, that is uh, that's a great question. The only the important questions here at the Knicks Home School live uh, locker room live stream. Yeah, well, I mean, Colin, I will say you rock the hell out of those glasses, man. I appreciate uh, it. Very, very handsome fellow here, um, man. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna say you, man, because uh, I feel like I feel like we don't express because love you're for one here. That's not why. Just, because people are gonna think that here. I asked that just to get him to say me. That's really not why. But you know, it's, uh, it's, either way, I've been wanting to say it for a while, and you've given me the opportunity, so I appreciate you. Um, on a slightly more serious note, in a, in a realistic fashion, it's something I'm very surprised has not come up at all. Well, hardly this entire time. Uh, let's have the Mitch conversation. Because, uh, oh yeah, the young man John. I don't know if you saw it. He, uh, I did. I did see that. Yeah, he uh, he wants to hoop, and he wants to know if that is too t o not t o o too much to ask. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't even know what to say on that. Um, I trust I trust the team's medical staff. Um, I just, like if there if he's not in there, I, there's probably a reason he's not in there. Um, but I will be curious, um, cause I'm sure after that, they're going to ask Tibbs about it before the game tomorrow. He's not doing media today. Today's media is just, uh, post-practice, which is just players. So, um, but I don't know, maybe, maybe whoever they provide today, somebody will ask like, Hey, have you seen Mitch, uh, you know, how's hanging Mitch? around? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, we'll see. I think even if he's 75%, I think it just adds such a needed component. To, to what's going on right now. Yeah, um, for sure, 100%. Yeah, no, and Sunday's must win. Are we all in agreement on that? Yes, yes. I mean, I'm in agreement. Claudio said no <laughs> last night, so I just want you to know who you're associating yourself with. Did I say no, that it's not yeah, a must win? Yeah, that was win? exactly what you said, yeah. I thought what Schwinn and I said was more like this, it's not like, if the, if because we were hinting at how the overall uh, words from the fans was like, if they lose this series, this season's a failure. And it was like, this series is not must win to justify how much success has been a- accumulated this year. That's more, I think, what I was saying. But look, I'll go on the record now. Sunday's a must win. Jeremy? I don't know if it is. I'll be the dissenter here. Um, first thing for Mitch, I think the, I uh, agreed, I trust the medical staff. Um, it's this injury. It's it's different than like you know a sprain, uh, like with what we saw with Donovan Mitchell, for example. Like if you if you don't feel Mitch is going to be his best self, I don't have him out there because this was a surgically uh, this was a procedure, and big men have the risk of this injury reoccurring. So, like to me, I would rather ensure Mitch's you know good long run and, and the series kind of continues as is without him than. Um, than other than that, and I'm, I'm, you're not saying otherwise exactly, but the reason I don't think it's a must win, and this is definitely pedantic, uh, is because it's not. The Knicks would still have game five where they could win at home. 
come back to Atlanta. Obviously, we've talked about how good Atlanta is at game six, or at home. Um, again, like Atlanta has been great, but not to the point where I, I felt like they should have run away with last night's game, and they didn't. The Knicks kind of stuck around enough. They were still well over arm's length away, but uh, yeah, at the risk of being a, a yes man, considering. Uh, what I'm dealing with Andrew and John in terms of it being a must win, I'll, I'll say no, it is not. Good answer, Jeremy. Colin, I'm remembering why I said it wasn't a must win now. It's because it's Atlanta, and the actual reason the way to beat an Atlanta well. sports team is to <laughs> fall down 3 1 in a series because you got them right where they want it. Yeah, no, exactly. All right, appreciate it, guys. Of course, man. Be well. As always, Colin. Uh, last but not least, Chris. Welcome to the stage, and thank you, everybody, for all your contributions. Yes, thank you, everybody, and uh, what's going on, Chris? How are you? Chris, are you there? Lord Helmet Helmet. There we go. Oh, hey, guys. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. Great. Um, Yeah, so first off, obviously, just thanks for everything you guys, uh, you know, are doing here uh, through this playoff run. It's it's awesome. Um, So I actually have, yeah, I have actually a bit of a, I want to say dissenting opinion, I guess, on 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 Derek Rose, and it's not you know not about him uh, per se. You know, uh, no, no way can I actually you know ding the way he's been playing. Um, obviously, it's been incredible, but you know, I think I think it just it's spe- it speaks a little bit to the the sort of damned if you do, damned if you don't with uh, in regards to starting him. Um, and you know, I'm not advocating for starting for starting Elf, so don't so don't put that on me. But of course, you know, I just think that. You know, I think I think what we're seeing a little bit might be a, some of the fear that some people you know uh, cast about about hit, about the, the Knicks bringing him in is that you know Rose at this point in his career is a really 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 smart player and the thing I've thought about him all year that's amazed me is that he I, I love him coming off the bench because he always. It was, he was almost like a like a, a a boxer in the first round or two who's kind of feeling out the game from from the bench, and he kind of always yeah every every time he came into the game he knew exactly what the game needed, um and and he would provide that and you know and maybe it's just more of a function I think kind of obviously of of Randall struggling but you know I just I just don't know if. I love Derrick Rose. I love what he's what he's doing for the team. But I, I don't know if, if this amount of him is the proper amount of him for what this team needs to be successful. Well, um, yeah, no, yeah, so you make ahead. a great point because at this point in his career, um, I think he is the prototypical six man, um, right? Because yep. he could get his own offense whenever he wants, which he is doing, which is spectacular to watch. And for much of the season, when it was going really well, it was because he had this really great, not necessarily a two-man game with Emmanuel quickly, but, like, those two guys obviously played off of each other very well. Yep. Um, and there, and look, let's just say, like, Tibbs is not we, – we may have our, our nitpicks about Tibbs, but we know he's not a dumb man. He's not stupid. Like, there's a reason why he waited until, you know, the very last moment to, to make the change. Yeah. Um, because he knows he likes Rose in the role that he he's at, and with with without him in the starting lineup, I think it also kind of gives Randall more of a chance to kind of get going on his own on his own uh, terms, so to speak. Whereas last night, um, if you are going to look for a downside to Rose starting, it's that he was you know he was the offense for the first quarter. Um, you know, Randall did not take a lot of shots and, and like they were, it's just, it wasn't as natural of a fit, which I'll reference what I said before, which is that, you know, for as much as Rose and Randall have the numbers with them on the court together are spectacular. I don't necessarily ever feel like the two of them have developed a chemistry where like the rising tide lifts all ships. I just feel like it's two guys who are playing really good basketball. Sorry. Um, yep. It happens every time you go to a new page with ESPN. Um, <laughs> two guys who were playing really good basketball, um, like working, like they, they figure it out, right? Um, yep. Yep. At that, all that being said, I don't think you could put the cat uh, back in the bag to reference the term uh, I used the other night. Um, I think with Rose, like he started Rose last game. Would he really like, he, I mean, he's obviously not going to go back to Elf, but, I, I, but, the, but just the last thing I'll say, to your point, 
It's why I was advocating for them to start Burks. Um, yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, and someone Jay, mentioned before um, something yeah. about you know doing the, doing the, kind of the matchup hunting around around Trey and and saying you know well you need somebody you know if they stick them on Bullock you know um, you know but but from to, to me Burks is the type of guy that if, if he's out there uh, maybe maybe I just talk myself into starting Burks instead of Bullock they won't do that because of defense but on offense Burks is the guy that can actually attack Trey if because they can't stick Trey on on Burks in the corner I know they did a couple times in game two. Burks actually hit, you know, kind of backing down to hit like a, a little baby jumper over him. But Burks can actually like, he's not great at putting the ball on the floor, but he can do it. Um, but yeah, yeah I, I mean, I, I, yeah, look, Rose is going to start and it's probably the right move. It's just, I just think, you know, and like I said, I think it's, it's really just more of a function of Julius just struggling so much because, well, you know, Rose, no, Rose knows Julius is struggling. So I think he's just, he's trying to do as much as he can because he yes. knows that's what they need. And, and he's succeeding. I mean, he's what, 30 goddamn points last night, but it just, I think the rest of the team is a little, it's not like, oh, they're just standing around waiting for Rose. They don't, you know, whatever, but it's just, you know, basketball is a lot about, a lot about timing and chemistry. And I just think the timing and chemistry is just off for everybody right now. And, yeah, and, and to, like know. Zeke, Zeke makes a good point in the chat, which is that like, they're, you know, they would have been getting blown out. I think they may not blown out, but like they would have been behind had it not been Rose for Rose starting. But then yeah. the the alternative for that is like okay, if Rose sits if, if it's Burks in the first five minutes um, or six minutes or whatever, and then let's say they're down, you know, I don't know, seven or eight points after that. If Rose comes in then and plays the rest of the half, do but then again, Rose was in at the end when they when they got you know uh, when they when the tie game turned into a whatever it was a thirteen point halftime lead. So yeah, I, I yeah. don't know. I, I don't know that it's that's the thing. I, I think the, the and this is this is the last thing I'll say today, and then we got to finish up. Is if you're really, I mean, no one's going to want this, and it's not that it's not what they should do. But just like if you did not have to worry about the long term health of the franchise and the and the um, mental uh, side of the thing and and the locker room side of the thing, just for argument's sake, if they put in Burks for RJ in the starting five, mm-hmm. like. If you want to talk about something that would juice the offense right now, and then and then to I forget whose point it was earlier today, um, but to try to get RJ going by giving him more responsibility in the second unit, um, put RJ basically as your as your second as like the leader of your second unit. Um, will they do it? Of course they won't do it. But no. that's if you want to talk about a move that would yield some dividends, I think that that would yield some dividends. Yeah, I, I do just want to say that the one thing in terms of Rose as well is that. I think Noel's injury is a huge factor as well because it seems that Tibbs wants to keep Rose and Taj together. And so if Noel can't really go face up against the starters uh, and Capella, you know, maybe he he can't see the minute load that he's used to, um, keeping Rose and Taj together, if Taj is going to start over Noel, just makes even more sense. Uh, You know, I I could see Burke starting, but if it's breaking up that, that tandem that you have between Rose and Taj and the chemistry that they've developed over their long illustrious careers then it, it's tricky it, it kind of like gums up the works in both ways i feel like um but yeah no, i mean i think the nice thing as well and yeah obviously randall is struggling as we've noted but the ability to see what a dynamic point guard in this offense and how it can uh just kind of get to a point where the Knicks actually look good to start the game instead of, you know, starting in a deficit with Peyton and then, as it's worked for the other two games, continuing to have that deficit grow because Rose still needs a couple minutes to get antiquated with the offense on the floor and then they get warm and then they make some transitions and then the second unit starts to blossom. But, you know, if that can't really happen, it's... It's at least nice to not have to end a first quarter in a deficit, whereas the Knicks scored six points in the final 1.1 seconds, and um, Rose and Randall were a huge factor for and, and Bullock too, drawing that foul um, for why that happened. All right, oh, well said, Jeremy. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, last thing I was going to say is just simply Emmanuel quickly taking seven threes in three games. That's far too few. He needs to just shoot more. That's all. Thanks, Complete, completely agree. Good, mm-hmm. good point. Good point to end on. All righty, boys. Any last words? Um, I I think we're gonna win game four.
I agree. What game, what game and, did you think they well, weren't going to win? Just by out of curiosity. I'll say this. I, I feel better heading into game four than I felt going into game one or three. I think it's fair. I probably, I mean, I felt better about game one than I think I feel about game four. Um, I'll say this. It seems every game, maybe not game one in the sense of Randall, because again, like the breaks have been long for him and difficult, but I'll say this. I, Randall has continued to be sluggish offensively when, uh, when we said like, oh, he'll bounce back. It's fine. So as a, as a way to mush the mush, I'm going to say that Randall's struggles will continue, uh, hoping that, of course, it turns into him thus proving me wrong because obviously that's the only reason why he'll be playing well uh, and, and being able to kind of lift the offense on that front. Mush yeah. the mush. I love it. Mush the hey, mush. Hey, it's a great Jeremy, but apparently that's already my corner. Um, ask, ask Rich McLeod. They've been giving me shit since <laughs> – uh, game two when I said that Alfred Payton's defense is actually doing well and every single thing I said for the rest of the game the opposite happened um, I I go back to speaking of my Twitter account I tweeted it out there in the fourth quarter last night that the only hope that I'm leaning on right now is that every single time I've thought here comes the losing streak they go on a run and surprise me and I think they've done that to us all season and it's why if you're a Knicks fan and there's some doom and gloom today, remember the group that we've followed all season. Remember how resilient they've been. And I think Jonas really preached like this is a this is a special big fifteen that, you know, does have a couple more rounds left in them. So I even if they do lose game four, as Jeremy said, that just means this comeback from a three one deficit is gonna be even sweeter. So <laughs> Let's let's hope it doesn't have to come to that, but sure. Man, the Atlanta jokes I'm going to get off if it does, though, John. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> All right. Good stuff, Andrew. Good stuff, everybody. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you uh, see you next week or on any Jeremy, other. mediocre stuff. Just Thank you. Not your best thing. <laughs> well, as usual. I mean, I, my, my only purpose is to make – you and John look better than you are. So thank I you. Why we today. keep youth around? Why do you think Chris is still here? You know. <laughs> well, that's his. That is his. That's his resume. It's like make everybody else look better. There you go. Uh, just some quick programming note. Um, obviously, tomorrow we'll be doing a post game, pre and post game show on YouTube Live, and then John and Jeremy will be recording Tuesday's pod tomorrow. So we can kind of take Memorial Day as a break, even though I think we're all going to be inside for Memorial Day. Um, and then a pod coming out Tuesday with John and Jeremy. And then we will have a special guest who we will announce later this week because we still haven't decided who it is yet. Um, on Wednesday's pod leading up to game five. Uh, and then I will say it. We will have multiple pods coming out this week leading up to game six and seven as well. That's all I got. Giddy up. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>